The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to planestalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. They should, the wizards should have on all their things like alcohol commercials. Yeah. Please I mean, consume responsibly. It is called cardboard crack for a reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> consume your crack responsibly. <laughs> I am Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We're proud members of the Plains Talkers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Uh, doing well. Actually got my day off this week, unlike last week. We had to recover from all that snow last week, so I worked 11 days in a row, which isn't a ton, but it's. I was ready for a day off. Kidding. So, got to sleep in until almost 6.15. <laughs> That's a grown-up mentality. Yep. Didn't get up till 7 o'clock today. Right. Got the dog taken care of. We went on a walk. And then I just came downstairs and played a lot of uh, Satisfactory. It's what I've been doing pretty much all week. Most of my time has been also eaten up with playing Satisfactory. I don't know how long it's going to hold my interest after I've, like, gotten everything. But it's roped me in so far. Yep. So, like, I don't... It seems like there's plenty of room for, like, creativity like Minecraft has. But I haven't tinkered with any of that stuff, and the game doesn't really force you to, unlike Minecraft. Like Minecraft, you just have, I mean, you know this, but you just have a bunch of blocks, and you have to build stuff with those blocks. Whereas Satisfactory, it builds a lot of the structures for you, and then you can build, like, you can build, like, rooms or factory, like, physical factory walls with roofs and whatnot if you want. But I haven't messed with any of that stuff. I'm sure there's stuff there. There's probably all kinds of crazy stuff. I've seen pictures of, like, the whole cities. Yeah, from Satisfactory, but I haven't. I don't know if I'll go down that far, but I'm I'm enjoying it for what it is right now. I could totally see once I get everything maxed out, like build a final factory. Because right now I'm just kind of like I build and tear down as I don't need. But I could see building a final factory with everything that I want to be made and going and into a nice sorting system. Maybe making that look good, and then once that's finished, like I don't know what else I would do other than start a new world. I don't know what the replayability on it's going to be like. But for the thirty bucks I spent on it, like I've already got like probably 25 30 hours of like actual playing mm-hmm. anytime i spend a dollar an hour for entertainment i i can't complain steam was saying you're at over 100 hours total and i'm at like 90 something hours but total. I, I have a couple yeah. afk sessions yeah there's idle time and whatnot because like i'll leave it going when i'm eating dinner or when i'm doing uh yep. my route planning and stuff at night and whatnot yeah. But if it says I have 100 hours in, I'm probably closer to 50, yeah. like 50 or 60. Like, like actual. have been hitting it pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. It's been it's been my weekend. Like, that's what my weekends are, is playing Satisfactory for most of the weekend if I don't have. I got so frustrated yesterday. I just could not get a conveyor belt lift to, like, position correctly, and I was losing my mind. <laughs> like, the number of times, like, I'll try and line something up, go to click, and then it moves two blocks over. Mm-hmm. tear it down try again tear it down try again try and, like the amount of work that goes into making something look decent is like the game is so good at helping you line things up until it isn't and then it's like fuck you right well so like in the middle of like my main production area i was trying to move some like move some items from one side to the other and so i'm using conveyor belts that are like very high like relative to everything else and like it's hard to see where they line mm-hmm. up in the the green lines it gives you to tell you it's line, lined up. They're not perfect no. at all, and they don't go far enough sometimes. Right. Like I know what you're talking about. Like trying to get things the right height yep. can be 
really difficult because I just there's there's there, like a little bar on the back that I count and I'm like this one's seven bars tall. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no like there's the perspective is very bad. Like yeah, the, the 3D perception is not very good when you're looking up something. It's hard to to see the distance. Well, you're and not only that you're trying to see whether it's straight vertically and horizontally. So like you don't want any curves in it and you don't want it to have any incline. You just want a perfectly straight and level conveyor yeah, it belt. Takes work. That's what looks best. And like getting that in just in the right spot is annoying sometimes. Building in a factory when there's a bunch of machines and a bunch of stuff, like snapping doesn't work anymore because yep. it tries to snap to every single thing in the factory. Yeah, you had to just, that's why the foundations are so useful. Like I've gotten yeah. really like in the habit of like, when I build a conveyor belt now on anything new, like the conveyor belt goes on one of the dark lines in it. So you can and follow like, it. Yep. Like when I'll, I'll be building long conveyor belts and I'll make breaks at every like intersection in case I need to tear some down and put a splitter there. It's like pre-broken. <laughs> the funny thing is you really notice how much better you get at the game yeah. after you've put like 10 or 20 hours in it. Like your first thing just looks like ass. Your first factory. and then I it, saw your it's first bunch, area. Well, like you're, I wasn't, that was partially not intentional, but like I wasn't making any effort at all yeah. to get any, You're learning. Yeah. Well, I'm just throwing like conveyor belt to conveyor belt i'm not trying to line anything up i just want to make the stuff because i'm basically you know yeah. gearless and then once you kind of get something going and you learn the rules you're like that's one pixel too far to the left uh-huh. tear this whole thing down or like you'll build your you build it and you go you look at it and you realize yeah your conveyor belt is just a little crooked the whole yep. time it's like wow well, and there's some stuff you can't even help so like the manufacturers they have four inputs and like it's Unless you specifically put it in a, like you have to thoroughly plan out where you want those. If you want four straight lines going into those yeah. inputs, like yeah, just yeah. four storage containers won't fit. What's one of those things? Like once we get to the end and like we start like um you know looking things up, there's numbers. I'm sure people yeah. talked about like yeah if you're gonna build it, you have to build like go ten blocks back, then you build your stuff and then it'll sink yeah. in. Right? Yeah. Well, I was while I was checking up on, I looking up. I think valves. I just stumbled across something. I again we're both. Yeah, what of are those us are, good for? Uh, so what they do, they prevent backflow. So oh. like, I'm sure you know this, but the fluids just kind of through like float throughout the pipes. And so the, like I'm pumping all my fuel into those containers. They keep trying to back into the pipes. So I've just put a valve on each. So it only lets fluid go towards the buffers and not back into the system. Yeah. So, but I was looking up how those work and I just saw like a diagram that somebody had on another page of like, this is how detailed they get. It's like, okay, if you want to build, like, if you want to make this part, you can follow this diagram yep. and it will be perfectly laid out for you. Somebody's, I mean, it's a, it's a Minecraft how to video. Yeah. Makes sense. Like, so that's what I've been doing. I've been playing a lot of satisfactory. Yep. <laughs> and in the meantime, in case uh, all of you are terribly interested in this, I was just checking the prices on those crystals and they've gone up like 20%. The crystals for my sword in Final Fantasy XI. I'm like, ah, satisfactory, you're killing me. Apparently hundreds of our <laughs> listeners have been committed, have decided to download Final Fantasy XI and I hope commit so. to the grind. They of should, it's a great game. Super hard to make weapons. I'd be playing it right now if satisfactory just hadn't gotten me hook, line, and sinker. Like yeah. that game is just, it's, once you get going, it's very hard to peel yourself away from. Yep. It's very good at the like, I was talking to, I think I was talking to you over the weekend, but like that one more thing. Yep. It's very much that I'll just do one more thing before I go to bed. I'll just, let me just get this machine running. Let me just get this conveyor belt set up. Let me just get this storage system organized. Let me just get one more thing. You'll Seven one, hours later. You'll one more thing yourself until two in the morning. Yeah. I've done multiple times. How about you? So other than playing a lot of Satisfactory, I have done one of the like 
simplest adult things. Someone, I've replaced my hard drive before it died. Nice. <laughs> when I came out, I think like two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, to download Satisfactory because you have a gigabit. Yeah. Yeah. Matt has a gigabit. Up and down. Up and down. Yeah, yeah. Gigabit a second. I have 15 megabytes a second. Sorry, megabit a second. Yeah. And so for most games that are sizable, like anything from like 50 to 80 gigs, which is most like most AAA games these days, which Satisfactory isn't, but just for perspective, it, it, it's usually faster for me to just wait until the weekend and bring my computer over than to download it myself. Yep, And it will still be downloaded and installed sooner. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, so I think the last time I tried to download like a, a 90 gig game or 100 gig game, nice big honking game, I think it was 30 hours download time <laughs> i hit download and steam like that's 30 hours of download time running at full speed so i can't use my internet yeah so what that means is like 30 hours of like while i'm at work or while i'm sleeping and so that's 10 or 15 hours a day that's if nothing goes wrong if your computer doesn't go to sleep if the download doesn't pick up and start over you're looking at two to three days of straight downloading yeah or just wait till saturday come over it's to matt's house download it in 10 minutes yeah but since I came over to download Satisfactory, because Matt was talking about how amazing it is, I went to throw it on my computer, and my computer has a SSD and a hard drive. My hard drive is my bulk storage. So I went to download it, and it started downloading really slow. That's a bad sign. Yeah, the first thing I did is pop over and just do a speed test. I'm like, yeah, let's just see if something's yeah. up. Because I think I was downloading it like four or five megabytes a second, mm -hmm. whereas it usually downloads at like 30 here. Yeah. And I was like, well, if my hard drive isn't running very quickly that could be a sign that it's dying and it is like seven or eight years old and my computer's been on almost the whole time like i put my computer to sleep i'm pretty sure while it's sleeping your hard drive might still be spinning i don't know my computer's been on a lot yeah so that day i ordered a new hard drive for it it came in this weekend and i downloaded the software i got my hard drive cloned onto a new one actually a better one i bought a bigger one and while i was Finishing getting the files moved and doing just some tweaking of the settings. The software I was using, had, I noticed, had a great big exclamation point next to my current hard drive being like, hey, this drive looks like it's close to failure. You should back <laughs> these files up. You're like, gotcha. Yep. And I was like, it's for the first time in my life, I have successfully caught a piece of technology before it fails. Right. And you lose everything. And just lose everything. Yeah. Like I've lost a couple phones to like broken screens and it's all gone. I've lost a couple laptops where the laptop is just it dies and like, well, this is garbage now. So I was able to catch it early and I'm going to be able to save on my data. I'm going to, I need to, I basically need to just test it. I've had it for a couple of days, but I've been working now. I just need to pull the old one out, make sure it still boots in just fine, which it should because it's not even the boot drive. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even have to move windows. I just had to move yep, just stuff, stuff. And I can throw my old one away. I'm not even going to, I was going to keep it like as a backup. And then I saw that like, Hey, this is kind of dying. Okay. Then it's utterly useless to me. Yeah. Especially given how inexpensive hard drives yeah. are now. For 50 or 100 bucks, you could have a perfectly good backup just yeah. sitting there. I mean, waiting. I think you can get a one terabyte hard drive for like $30. Yeah. I think it was, it, I paid 50 for my two terabyte hard drive. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're dirt cheap. So I may or may not make another backup for it. I don't know. I might, uh, you know what I should do is I should just go buy another external that is my backup and that I can like put on a shelf mm -hmm. because I don't like if I have anything in the system as I back up, it's going to be running just as often as mine is. It won't be reading and writing as much though. It's probably better, but I might just roll the dice another seven years because seven years from now, God knows what <laughs> I'll be upgrading to my 30 terabyte hard drive right. for a hundred bucks or 50 bucks or whatever. I probably need to replace my phone sometime this year, mainly 
just so I don't lose everything like I have for the past three phones. Yep. Because I I don't like just throwing money away. So I've used every phone yeah. I've had until it once I got my first smartphone. It's been use that until it just doesn't function anymore. You're, like, probably, you're a technological hermit, so you probably don't have like backups. No. Like, there's a lot of software in the world now that does it automatically. Case yeah. in point, Google has a backup of my phone. Like, if I lost my phone tomorrow, I can download a copy of my phone off of Google. Yeah, I have all now, that turned off. The trade you make with that is Google has all my data. Yep. Like, that's they. I have given them access to all my shit. I you don't have like like Verizon because we have Verizon insurance, so Verizon does that and Google does that. I think I have like literally two separate backups of my phone if I were to lose it now. I'm rocking a don't for those of you who don't know, I'm rocking a Galaxy S7. So yeah. It's pretty funny. It's pretty old. <laughs> it it's starting the the thing that's really making me want to do this is it's starting to slow down enough that it's even annoying me. Like if I gave my phone to most people a little younger than me, they'd probably throw it across the room just trying to like it's not bad, but like it's not instantly responsive. So, like, I've just, it's kind of slowly degraded, so I've just kind of been the frog in the pot of water w- along with it, where I'm just like, oh, yeah, I mean, it should take Google Maps 30 seconds to load, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm the exact opposite. So, I don't do the upgrade to every new phone. I've never done that. But I am usually within two or three. And, mm-hmm. like, by the time, the like, if once I get, I usually buy the third. So, like, I'll buy a phone, I will skip the next one, and I'll probably skip the one after that. And then when that third version comes out, that's usually about the time my phone's been paid off. I usually mm-hmm. do 18 month, 18 month payment plans, pay a little more, get done sooner. Yeah. And so 18 to 18 to 24 months is when the new phone comes out. That's when I upgrade to the new one. So I, I'm in the world where I perpetually have a phone bill, but it's like 30 bucks and I get to have the new relatively latest and greatest nice and fast. Yeah. I, that's the, the plus side. I know everybody's like rolling their eyes at the old guy, but like I haven't had to make a payment on a phone and like, three or four years like i so i get that <laughs> but it's like a 30 dollar a month payment no, it's a dollar a day it's a dollar a day but that's over across like you're talking about between one or two thousand dollars yeah. total like yep. every phone you buy is going to cost you about a thousand bucks and i've skipped it's at in, least two it's interest free yep and it's a dollar a day it's still a dollar a day it's, that's fine it priorities are priorities so everybody are just likes different. to make fun of me but then not necessarily you, but I get a lot of shit because I don't like I keep stuff until it breaks and whatnot. But you never hear me have any issues with money. Nope. And I have two thousand dollars more now than I would had I just, you know, had a new phone twice. At least. I mean, that's the but, other thing. The last time I went to look at phones, they're even more expensive than they were. It's with, about, um I I think my new one was like a thousand dollars. Yeah, like like my, my but like my I I have the new I don't have the note, I don't have the like flagship flagship, but I have the new like top tier Samsung. I think it was like ten ninety nine or well, nine ninety nine. Seven I got my seven when it was new and it wasn't a thousand dollars. No, they didn't used to be. They yeah, they, they have settled around a thousand dollars for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um I got a little bit of sticker shock just looking at other phones. Apple's Apple's been going up, but Apple has still been like like the flagship's been going higher, but they're still making that thousand dollar price point. That's Probably where I'll stick. That's the the flip side. This is one of the other good things about having it a really old phone is almost anything I buy, if I spend five hundred bucks on it, it's gonna be better than what I'm using yeah. now. So like I don't have it. to get the absolute I normally do get the late the basically I skip I wait so long in between phones and then I just get the best one because I'm gonna be using it for the next five years. Yeah, if that's the way you're gonna do it, you need to get probably yeah. the best. And that's like I did that with my computer. Honestly, my computer probably needs to be rebuilt. I need a better one. But like 
seven-ish years ago, I built one of the best computers on the block. Yeah. I didn't spend like five grand on it, but I spent like two grand on my computer. And it's still, it's, it's, it is, it, I have it to replace the CPU because it got basically outworked by the world. Yeah. I now my hard drive and I had to last week tear apart my, my all in one CPU cooler because it was dying. Mm-hmm. Like I've outlived like three pieces of technology in it, but I'm running it till it dies because I built the crap out of it. As long as you build or get a really nice one, it will last a very long time. Yep. Yeah. My motherboard is like, years old at this point well, i think you and i had the same chipset i think you're also on haswell aren't you i don't know off the top of my head yeah you wouldn't know you're not a tech guy but yeah i think we're both on haswell so i think we have the same chipset i think we have the same cpu yeah because yeah i didn't i don't think i bought the latest and greatest i think i'd already bought a generation or two behind this is a little cheaper yeah but. mine mine was so the guy i got it from is a like hyper tech guy mm-hmm. and when he got it it was like he he's the type of guy who when they come out with a new form of ram completely rebuilds his computer yeah so like when he had that it was a couple years old when i got it from him and like it was again these are this is like an eight-year-old thing but it was like an i unlocked i7 with a really nice motherboard and shit like that that's what i got from him um it still works so in fairness though you satisfactory is the first game you've played that wasn't made 20 years ago. No, I mean, like, I played Resident Evil 2, the remake on it. It ran that fine. Now, again, I do have a relative... I have a much more recent video card. That's yep. just the processor and the motherboard. Yeah, we bumped you up to a... It's a RTX 2060. 2060. MS. Which, again, it's not the best card ever or anything like that. But Pretty it's... powerful. It's more than enough for my purposes, So, All right. Now, we've done 20 minutes on yeah, Not Magic. Enough we need mediocre this, this episode. This episode can't be two hours again. I'm not editing it. <laughs> Before we get started, like every week, I do want to give a big shout out to the Planestalkers Podcasting Network, as we are proud members of it. Will and Aramis put on an excellent show every Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, over at twitch.com forward slash Planestalkers Podcast, where you can actually watch them record their podcast live and even like interact in the chat and talk to them. And they're pretty good about watching chat and talking. And you can kind of really become a part of the show. You come back on Wednesday, same Twitch at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard. They do their Commander Craft series where they play Commander with basically anyone that wants to come play like they usually prioritize patrons but he almost always saves room every week for just anyone that wants to play so if you want to watch them obviously check it out but you can even play with them if you go to their discord and our discord discord.playingsoccerspodcast.com and hit them up talk to will he'll get you in on the game you can head over to our discord channel and talk to us and you can criticize the decisions we make or praise us for the our opinions Definitely get more criticism than praise, I'm sure. But we'd love to see you over at the Discord. It's a great community, and we love getting to have people come join it. So, Matt, first SCG Con in two years? Something like that. Something it's like been that. Like, this this could be, like, the like the key moment that kind of ends the pandemic for Magic. Now, we had something very similar where we had a large modern tournament in Vegas. We basically had, like, a uh, Grand Prix Vegas. Yeah. It was unsanctioned. Well, it was sanctioned, but it wasn't like Grand Prix for modern. Uh, SCG came out earlier this year, like what two months ago, three months ago, and came out and announced the three large tournaments. We've got one in Texas, one in Indiana, here where we are, yep. and one at Philly. We got results. Yep. How did Legacy do? Um, not that bad, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the elephant in the room is how prevalent Blue Red Delver was. I think yep. that's what everybody was kind of anticipating. To be fair, the paper meta is typically speaking not quite as like it doesn't mirror the online meta one-to-one there's a couple reasons for that one cards are just easier to trade online so you can pivot from deck to deck and always be playing the latest and greatest Two, 
there are certain decks that are just a pain in the ass to play online. Like for uh, you used to play World Gorger Dragon online, and a lot of times it was difficult to actually pull the combo off because of just the sheer number of clicks. You, I think you were looking at fifty to sixty clicks to go from start to finish, winning the game minimum. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's but like, so the paper meta. It's not typically one to one, but it's usually, especially given how long it's been since, yep. like between tournaments, a pretty good reflection of where you the get a lot more are. pet decks in paper yeah. too. Where, like, even if food chain isn't really a like meta all star, it's like that's what I own. I own food right. chain. Case in point, if an event comes up, like if we go to the Indianapolis SCG Con, I gonna play Jeskai Control. Yeah, and I'm probably gonna play Elves. like irrelevant of where it is in the meta because that's what I own. And like I said, that's that's part of the. Thing I was talking about where it's just it's not as easy to just bail on a deck yeah. especially could, especially with how low priority competitive play is like now you're kind of like you, you now it's really hard to like justify the cost of switching decks because there's always going to be like you're probably going to lose 20 percent like yeah. it, you could totally sell your legacy deck and buy a new one but you're going to lose 20 25 percent yep. probably on trade middlemen take a cut yeah where you know if they were hosting if you could go to a grand prix every weekend or you know every month like if you could go to 10 tournaments a year then it maybe is makes a little more sense. They're like, well, I kind of wheel and deal. I'll lose a little bit of money, but I want to stay current on the best decks. If there's like, if there's two a year, I'll just run a I'm little bit worse I'm just going to play elves. Yeah. <laughs> just let it so ride. The paper meta is always a bit detached from the legacy meta online. Yeah. Personally, I kind of view the online meta as the true meta. I do as well. Like, like ninety percent of legacy gets played yeah. online. The joke I made was, so you have the online meta and the paper meta. One of them sees like. 1500 matches a weekend sanctioned and one of them sees a couple tournaments a year yeah like well well, the thing is you probably actually get a reasonable comparison of just sheer number of matches but what you're doing there is you're including random stores that have 10 guys show up who are playing like if you include all that then sure you're probably playing as much but it's not the that would all if do if you want to start including challenges now we're talking 15 Sorry, uh, not challenges, leagues. Like yeah. now we're talking fifteen thousand matches. Well, that's a what week. I mean. Like the 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 level of competitive play. Like if we're talking about serious people showing up to play and only to win, challenges week to week are one of the only places that happens. Yeah. So just, like just the scale of them is like the scale of magic being played online compared to paper. Now, in my opinion, completely inferior in terms of entertainment and fun, but the scale is uncomparable. That being said, Blue Red Delver did some play duh it did yep. but it did not dominate like it did last week where we were as far as the about, 32 like, goes yeah now we don't have any data on mtg goldfish from this like i literally have a reddit post i'm looking at for legacy and a uh mtgdex.net top eight for modern because there was scg modern and scg yeah. legacy at this event so we have a lot less data just in general for these so we're kind of kind of Piece together what we can. It took us probably 10 minutes just combing the internet to find this stuff. The nice thing is, assuming like, you know, say 30% of the meta showed up playing Blue Red Delver, it's actually a good sign that there's not that many in the top 32. Yep. That means it's not, it's win rate's probably not off the charts. Yep. And Blue um, Red Delver is an incredibly popular deck, both yeah. pre and post pandemic. So it stands the reason people are playing their pet decks. There's probably a lot of Delver showed up. Yeah. So there, there's a reasonable shot that Blue Red Delver is kind of where it needs to be. It certainly was in this tournament. Yeah. It exists. It's not even the most played deck in this tournament or in this top 32. Uh, so that's good news. <laughs> and I really like seeing that because uh, we won't talk about them in detail, but the other challenges that happened online, neither one of those were heavily dominated by Blue Red Delver either. So after last week, 
where we Dude, had one <laughs> where more just crapped on the challenge or the showcase challenge. It was really yep. nice to see but, Blue Red Delver kind of so like, like my theory back off a little bit. My theory on that is now that Ragavan's gone, you are more incentivized to just play a different deck that it maybe is a better matchup against Delver than playing Delver itself. It seemed to be for a while there was you could play a deck that just straight up beat Delver. But it was kind of like a toss-up whether you should play the deck that's good against Delver or just play Delver because mm -hmm. Delver's so good. Well, and Delver doesn't have very many just abysmal matchups. Yeah. Whereas now it looks like losing Ragavan was enough of a hit to the power of the deck that now it's it does behoove you even online to just play a better deck or build your deck a little better against Delver, but play a different deck. Not just play Delver and play Mirrors. Hopefully. And that's the thing. Yeah, we'll Again, see. We've one tournament. We're at, well, it's not even. We've had a few tournaments, but it's all within one week, effectively. Because last week, I'd say we were just in the same boat. Last week looked just like it has in the for almost a year now. Yep. So we've got one step down. We've got one week done where Blue Red Delver hasn't just shit all over the meta. Yep. So that's great news. Cautious optimism going forward. So Census is a paper meta, and it doesn't isn't really relevant to what most of our listeners are going to be playing against. I think we'll, we'll talk about this week. Like the SCG, SCG just earns us talking about it because it's cool. Let's go through it relatively quickly. We'll do yeah. modern and legacy both kind of quickly this week. Yeah, and I mean, at this point, everybody knows these decks. It's there's nothing super spicy in the top eight. There's one deck I want to just touch on, a black deck that I just think is super cool. Yep. Um, but other than that, we have green white depths bringing it home. Let me get the name here because he definitely deserves some shout outs. Ezra Christensen. So congratulations, Ezra. That's yes. Awesome win. I mean, it's bringing home a 10K. That's, that's pretty dope. And yeah. it's just like, you know, one of the first big legacy events we've had in paper. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's just, you know, big round of applause yep. for Ezra. That's awesome. And Green White Depths is, um, we haven't seen much of it since the Eternal Weekend. Yeah, it was all over Eternal Weekend. Like, and it's kind and of if you died remember down. the numbers, Eternal Weekend, it had like a 60% non-mirror yeah. win rate. Like, yeah, it, was, it had the highest non-mirror win rate like, of any deck. It, it was one of those things where, like, if you had, if, if Watsi made decisions based on one tournament, they'd have banned that overnight. Like, it, it had an absurdly high win rate. And that was the last time we, that's the last time we've really seen it, other than some here, some there. Yep. So, just kind of a, you know, weird coincidence. I don't, I honestly, I don't have any theories as to where it went. So, yeah, it's not you hard know, to if play. If anybody does, be sure to. Like we talked about, it's not hard to play online. Like, so for example, there is a food chain deck in here, and a food mm -hmm. chain deck is going to win by clicking approximately 100 times. This just makes it 2020. Right. So, yeah, if anybody has any theories as to why depth kind of fell off the radar, to let us know. What do you think is the reason for running two Giver of Runes over. So, Giver of Runes is one white, one two. Um, it gives another creature pro colorless or a color. So mother, mom, mom doesn't do pro colorless, but giver doesn't protect itself. And like mom's always kind of been like the preferred go to. It's just a little bit better usually. Now with it being a one two, it does dodge like gut shot, but I don't think that's relevant with Ragavan being gone. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe uh, he, maybe he just forgot to buy his mom's. I ha there was a couple cases of that I was just reading through the Reddit thing. People just didn't have like one guy ran. I it might have actually been this guy. Yeah, I think this guy, the one he. Couldn't find another Savannah, so he has a take on his deck. <laughs> the true problems of playing Paper Magic. Yep. So, honestly, I'm not sure. The The only thing I could think of is uh, artifact decks are everywhere. I don't know if that means that's better 
That's yeah. the only thing that's kind of popping into my head is artifacts are everywhere in Legacy right now. Maybe it's just to clear up the eight cast and basically make it unblockable. Eight cast and like the because, Urza Saga tokens. Because you can stand in front of a 2020 if you're playing eight cast all day. Like if you have a Psy, there's a, tw- a 2020 is not scary at all. Yeah. But if you have a Mother of Runes, it'd be... So that's, that's the only thing I could think makes of. Sense. That's the first thing that kind of pops into my head. Um, it makes sense why he would be have eight cast on the mine. Like, eight cast second place. <laughs> that again. mother of runes probably came in pretty handy, or giver of runes probably came in pretty handy in his last uh, in his fa- final match. Yeah, so I'm I couldn't be happier. I mean, obviously, you know, it'd be great if uh, eight cast won, but like next to elves, this would be my deck. Yeah, once, so like once you make it to the top eight, especially even the top thirty-two of a large tournament, you are now in the realm of like variants. Yeah, like variants is going to determine who wins this tournament. Within Not reason. totally, but yes. Like, yeah, like obviously how good you the, play is doing good. Yeah, but, the difference between first and second is yeah. real close. Like, this does not mean that, like, oh, green white depths is definitely better than eight casts. It just means that two players that are very good, one of them could have had a bad draw, yeah. one could have made a wrong gut call. Like, seeing a deck come in the top eight of a tournament is like, that especially deck's got, major ones. You're just that's like, got stones. Yeah. So, eight cast has been doing well in challenges. I think it did, if I remember correctly, it. Uh, top eight at a couple of the eternal weekends and now it's it did at least one and then now it's uh got second in this so like if you had any doubts about eight cast uh, jake you know 20 minutes ago was trying to talk me into buying it um if i got to play legacy more than i do i'm basically i just need chalice of the voids so i could have this deck tomorrow if i wanted it yep. but it's like i'm that way with the uh i don't think like stoneforge a, a blue white stoneforge deck i'm literally like 200 bucks away from it. Yeah. Like, if we started playing Legacy regularly, I would just spend the... I'd buy the Sword of Fire and Ice. I'd buy the little mishmash here and there, and I'd put together Blue-White Stoneblade. Because you were talking about you're literally four chalices away from it, probably. Yeah. So you're, like, 300 bucks. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I put together um, Modern Affinity, so most of these cards I already have between that. Like, our uh, Ancient Tombs I already have from EDH. Urza Sagas I already have because of Modern Affinity. Force of Wills I had because I'm... I, got blue red delver and that's the thing like that's why i'm not like really excited about building on this is i've already got three uh three ed three legacy decks so like the odds i, don't, I just don't want to keep throwing money at legacy yeah. decks that i don't get a chance I, to play I, I stopped like i might pick up a wandering emperor for my legacy deck just because it might be cool and it's 10 bucks yeah. like i keep my elves list up like like if i see somebody top eight a challenge and they have a sideboard card i don't i go out and buy it like i i may not run it but it's like, oh, that's an option? Okay, I need to have yeah. that in my binder in case I decide I want to play it. But, like, my second, third, and even fourth legacy decks aren't, like, super up-to-date anymore. Yep. Um, like, I'm I'm even debating turning my Underground Sea into a Mox Diamond for Commander. Yeah. Like, trying to find someone. I might try to find someone to, like, trade it with some cash. Or, or find, like, if they have, like, two reserveless cards I really want. Mm-hmm. I think you should. Uh, yeah, I, the I'll, nice I'll, thing I'll, is, I'll get more play out of it. You're not, you're not like super trading down there. Like it is kind of, it, it is in yep. the literal sense, but not enough to matter. It's reserve list to reserve list. Yes. It's an eight hundred dollar card to a five hundred dollar card. It's, yeah, you're not trading close. your underground sea for you know death and taxes. A modern deck. Yeah, yeah. that that is a financial mistake. Before we move on, I do want to say one thing that's really cool about this deck: no reserve list. Yep. Like if you were looking at a really powerful deck to get into legacy. This is probably a really good option. I don't have, and unfortunately, I don't have um, a price. Like, it, this is SCG Cons, or sorry, Star City Games' site. So I don't know how much that costs, but it can't cost that much I when think it doesn't have any reserve list cards. I think it's between 800 and 1,000 ballpark it. So the cost of one Underground Sea. Correct. So it runs Force of Wills, 
Chalice of the Voids, those are those are the two most expensive cards. Force of Wills are about a hundred bucks. Chalices are about eighty. So you got about what seven hundred bucks there. So yeah, it's probably running maybe a thousand or eleven hundred because you're yeah, you, you got, got four sagas ears, and four ears of sagas, like four mox opals, but those are relatively cheap. Like and like now. Uh, one retrofitter foundry is like 30 bucks. Like we're into like cards that are like we're into the under 50. Yeah. Once you get past Force of Will and Chalice of the Void, we're in under $50 each. So like that's pretty cool. Yep. So if you ever want to and it's probably A, super fun and B, it seems to be very competitive. Yep. So there's there's and, now like I mean, $1000 for a Force of Will deck, really? That's amazing. Yeah. Like if you're interested in playing Legacy, there are very real decks that you can play for ballpark at 1000 bucks. And they're not like, it's not like telling somebody to play Burn. Like Burn, we haven't seen in a top 32 since or we started Merfolk. this. Yeah. Same thing with Merfolk. Since we started this podcast, there hasn't been either one of those in the top 32 of a challenge. Those are not, in my opinion, yep. real legacy decks. That is my least favorite thing I hear people say, because I've done that. I've been in a tournament talking about like, oh man, legacy's so expensive. Just play Burn. Someone loves to fire back. Well, you can play Merfolk. And it's like, but is Merfolk a good deck like if i'm gonna invest seven hundred dollars into a deck is it a good deck and it's like yeah it's it's competitive it's strong and merfolk is strong but not compared to legacy right like no i don't want to spend eight hundred dollars on an okay deck we're not going to spend eight hundred dollars on the 25th best deck in yeah. the format <laughs> yeah. so yes it's on the list at that point you should spend eight hundred dollars on like the eighth best deck in modern right so yeah i'm eight cast uh High praise. High Death praise for... Taxes. Uh, what was the... I actually closed it. What was the pilot? High praise, second place. Timothy Jackson. Timothy Jackson. High praise yep. to the pilot and the list. Yep, absolutely. Uh, third place, we've got, again, more exciting stuff here. This Because this top eight is all kinds of fun. Uh, we've got uh, Food Chain. The list we're talking about, like, spit it out, but... almost never see it on MTGO just because it's so complicated to play in terms of clicking on stuff. Because mm -hmm. you're... In, if you never played on MTGO... Infinite loops require you to go through them as many times as necessary. Every single step. Whereas in paper, you look at your opponent and go, I can do this and this and this infinitely. Got it? Okay. I have a million mana now. Yeah. Whereas food chain, you have to literally cast your Miss, uh, Miss Fell Griffin or Miss Hollow Griffin, sacrifice it, cast it, sacrifice it, cast it, sacrifice yeah. it, netting those mana. And the one thing I don't think we've actually mentioned on the show, but just in case anybody doesn't know, on MTGO, you, it's a chess clock game. So you can literally lose the game going through your infinite combo yep. and just running out of time. The way the game starts is we get 25 minutes each for the match. That doesn't count sideboarding. And yeah, every time you have, every time you're holding priority, you're using yep. it. So that means like, you know, when you declare attackers, passive priority, TikTok, TikTok, declare, you know, declare attackers, declare blockers, TikTok. Like one of the things they've talked about, um, I've seen people talk about when playing MTGO, when you get into these games where time is a factor. If you can force combat to happen, it forces your opponent to keep passing priority. Because yeah. if combat doesn't happen, the the it just moves right through it. It doesn't it doesn't ever pass as yeah, priority. There's no creatures on the field. It just, it just skips it. Yep. But if creatures can happen, like it forces you to go through all those steps, and it forces your opponent to keep making clicks, and that can cost them extra three or four seconds around. Which, if you're playing time, could matter. Yeah, absolutely. Time is, the the clock is a very important factor in MTGO. And like so, when I was, it, it makes some things impossible. For example, so sidetrack. But when I played World Order Dragon, which is a really fun deck, it's very easy to make an infinite unbreakable loop with World Order Dragon, where mm -hmm. it's like the game basically has things that are happening that you don't get to stop, and they just happen forever. Yeah, and the game ends in a draw in paper. Yep. You basically look at your opponent and go, "I'm gonna animate dead my World Order Dragon." 
and it's going to loop in and out infinitely. We cannot stop this. Yep, unless you have another creature in the graveyard. Exactly, unless you have another target you can make. And so the matches or the game is over and no one loses. And so even though a match might be best two out of three, you could easily be in game five if I just draw three games in a yeah. row. Can't do that online. That which it's it's a common thing you do with um we'll go to dragon. If we're playing a game and I'm like, oh, Matt's gonna probably win in two turns. I can force you can force a draw. You, I can make the game draw. I can choose to animate dead my will go to dragon, start the loop, we can't break it, the game ends in a draw, even though Matt was gonna win next. Yeah. Online you can't do that. Because you're you have priority yep. the whole time. The game is happy to let you make those clicks until your timer runs out. So that's why you don't see we'll go to dragon very often. You don't see food chain very often. It's a somewhat difficult deck to play, and it's kind of boring because every time you win, unless your opponent concedes, yeah, which, and like which they could, like I could see you have the loop and I'll concede, but a lot of people won't, and that you just have to do it. And if a game goes long, if you go to your third game, you might start the game with like seven minutes left, and maybe your combo takes three minutes to complete. Mm-hmm. So if you spend the first four minutes trying to find it, you're, you're playing for money. You can't expect your opponent to yep, get absolutely not. You're like you should never expect your opponent to be like, oh, you know, technically you should win. So I'm going to give it to you, even though I could win $10 on this game by letting you time out because you chose a deck that lets you time out. Yep. And that's the thing. Even in the technically you should win, it's kind of like chess. It's like I'm not required to give you extra time on your clock. You're supposed to play the game within these rules. And it's slightly different. It's a downside that those decks are so less playable online. But it's like we both registered our decks knowing this restriction was here. Yep. Not my fault. It's not. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with like Miracle Top decks, like playing in paper, like you're playing. It's you have to kill your opponent. Yep. So you don't get to get mad because you played top control and take 40 minutes to kill your opponent. Band control used to be really rough. Like band control used used to be really rough to play like a couple of months ago before the the new list is kind of aggressive. But one of the old band control lists won through decking. Like, I mean, obviously, it's the only way it wins, but like it's very easy to have. It's like three or four win cons removed. And it's just going to deck you. Yeah. Like the, the the strategy was to endurance yourself and just keep your opponent deck. going through your last yep. 20 cards or whatever. Exactly. And like you can't do that three games in a row. No. I'm sorry. Let's go on to, yep. go on to fourth place. Anywho. So, yep. We had food chain oh, in third. We didn't really talk about food chain. Sorry. Yep. Yep. It's fine. I don't think either one of us are super familiar with it. Nope. So, I can't speak to whether or not this is like a stock list or whatnot. I know the loop. I've played food chain decks in EDH. I've never played them. I don't really play them in Legacy. I'm not going to say I never have. But so basically, for if you don't know, what you want to do is use food chain, which is a three mana enchantment. You exile a creature you control from the game. You get X mana plus one, where uh, X is the of any color, where X is um, the creature CMC. So you have a card like Mist Hollow Griffin, which you can cast from exile. So you exile it. It's four mana. You get five with food chain. That gives you infinite mana to keep recasting it. Then you go cast a uh, Imperial Recruiter to grab a Walking Ballista and dome yourself. That's or dome your opponent. Yep. Like that's your. You that's create, as about as straightforward as it gets. And there's cre- obviously create infinite mana and get a way to turn the infinite mana. The deck is just full of a lot of ramp spells because you're winning with a three mana enchantment, and then a lot of like um, controlling stuff. A lot of tutors or not, it's like some tutors, some cantrips. It's a blue soup deck. Yep. So you get all the best cantrips. You get the Force of Wills. You get Noble Hierarchs and Birds of Paradise and stuff. And then just answers. Things like Ice Fang, Quaddle, Scavenging Ooze, um, Pyroblast, Lightning Bolts, just to not die. And then a couple Uros as, like, backup. Yep. And, Uro, again, Uro helps with the ramp, and then he's just a good card to cast. Because um, you, you can't plan on winning with Food Chain every game. Like, you need... 
any good legacy deck has a plan B, maybe a plan B. That's pretty good. It's one of those like out of the blue, just kills you combo decks where it's like the pieces have been assembled. GG. Yep. And one of the, so for anybody who doesn't know, and this is one of, I've used this card in the past. Manipulate Fate is a really cool card. Uh, you search your library for three cards, remove them from the game and shuffle your library, then draw a card. You just get to get your Mist Hollow Graf Griffin and that, just... That just reads tutor just a, of three cards. Yeah, it's just a really cool tutor. I mean, it, in reality, it really only tutors up one. I mean, you get all three, but like they all do the same thing and you only need one of them. But it's your, you know, tutor for your combo piece. It replaces itself and you're good to go. Yep. So, Food Chain's a great deck. I'm happy it's to cool. see it. Um, and we haven't seen it in the online challenges for a while, so I'm glad to see it's still rolling around here doing well. We've seen this deck quite a bit. We sure have. Not that I'm complaining, because again, I'm not going to complain about a cool combo deck. Um, we've got in fourth place, uh, Jeskai Whole Day, Whole Breacher Day's Undoing. I, I hate the name of that deck. I call it Whole Breacher Combo. Yeah. I think Day Breacher would have sounded better. At yeah, least that I've sounds like a I have thing. heard Day Breacher. So I think I'm just going to call it Day Breacher. <laughs> this whole day sounds dumb. Um, it looks pretty standard. This yeah. is what we, we've seen this rolling around on uh, Geo. It's the new hotness as far as like control combo decks. It's the blue soup control deck that has a nice combo finish where you just outvalue the crap out of your opponent. Yeah, just control the game and then, and it's it it really shores up one of control's weaknesses, which is just finishing the game. Like it's even when you can kind of take control of it, Legacy's so powerful that it's very easy to like break out of those like soft locks. Not like locks, but like what your control deck's doing with it. They're ahead by a few cards, so anything you, they, you play, they have answers for, and they're just going to keep steamrolling you like that. Um, this just cuts out the middleman and just goes, cool, I'm slightly ahead and can protect my combo, game's over. Yeah, Realistically, yeah. yeah. Like I have seven cards, you have zero. Yeah, the, I'll Legacy, find a way. That, the game's over at yep. that point. Fifth place, moving right along, we've got Blue Red Delver. Shouldn't be any surprise at one top eight. Yeah, nope. But I don't think anybody would complain if Blue Red Delver was one nope. deck in the top eight. Uh, I've been seeing Brazen Borrower a lot. I think it seems to be the go-to. It seems to be what people have kind of settled on. As I think their... Brazen Borrower was one of the go-tos, strong go-tos before all this crap happened. Yeah, just because it's so flexible. It's the it's a it's a guaranteed two for one sort of. It's a tempo-y two for one. Yeah. A three-one flyer. I mean. Be a, a three uh, power creature in the air is what Delver is looking for anyway. The fact that you can cast it with Flash is pretty sweet. Yep. So you can bounce their thing and then just whenever you're bored at the end of your turn, make a three one. Yeah, and it just it just sits in your hand, and they you they always have to deal with it. Like you cast it, you bounce. You know, it's it was it was uh, it's the real companion. Yeah. <laughs> so I love Brazen Borrower. I was yep. running it in my blue red Delver. We got Mishra's Bobbles to turn on the uh, DRCs. Yeah. Those have kind of become standard. Realistically, it looks pretty standard. I, th I think yeah. this deck looks very much within what a Delver deck should be right now, with maybe one or two different you know, Pyroblast in the main, a one hole in Holy Heat, blah, blah, blah. Pretty standard. In sixth place, we've got Painter. <laughs> Callum is smiling ear to ear. Yep. And this is Red Painter, just so everybody knows. Um,. Have any spice here? I don't think don't so. Don't see any. Nope. It looks, looks like a painter deck. Stock which list. A lot of the painter decks, or I should say, the painter decks that are within their own defined archetype are usually pretty stock. So like strawberry shortcake or red painter, or there are some spicy ones. Like I think we've seen mono white painter. We've seen mono blue yeah. painter. But like, well, that's the cool thing about the combo is it kind of can. Yep. It not can go in literally everything, but it can. It, it can do. It can do quite a bit all the stuff. Shells. Yeah. But it does look. A, it looks like a pretty pretty standard painter list. Seventh place, we've got Oops All Spells. Whoops. I'm we haven't seen this in a while. Mm -mm, not in Legacy. Like 
it's been kind of tooling around and everything, but it just it hasn't put up numbers or put up results in uh, the top eight of any of the challenges recently that I can think of. So again, happy to see just cool decks doing their thing. This is what I was thinking weeks ago. We're looking at a modern list. Dread Return. Gotcha. Oops, I'll spell Dread Return to get your Chaos's Oracle back. Gotcha. Fill your deck, make make Narc Amoebas. The Narc Amoebas is... pay the cost of Dread Return to sacrifice it. Dread Return legal in modern? Did they ban that? I don't know. No clue. I know they've hit Dredge a couple times. I don't remember if they ever hit Dread Return. So. But that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, yeah a pretty cool Dredge list that we do not get, we do not see get played. Well, and that's the... Like, that's one of the things that we're always complaining. That's the reason why we're complaining about Delver so much. Is like, I personally think Delver's fun to play, and I think it's fun to play against. It's kind of like, to me, Delver is a good example of like just a game of magic, but when it becomes too strong, you don't see much else going on. And like these, like over the past, you know, since Ragavan came out, I don't remember how long, seven or eight months or whatever, you would get like pick one of these in the top eight, and that would be top eight. Like you'd get, okay, cool. Well, we've got, we got food chain this week. Yep. And then the rest is like the top four it, decks. D&T, it's some combo deck, and it's Delver. Right. It's, so, well, it's Delver, 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 combo, combo, D&T. Right. And this is what a metagame should and can look like when you don't have just one oppressive deck. So I'm just, I couldn't be happier to see this. And like I said, the other two challenges look not necessarily identical to this, but they're in the same boat where they're just not dominated by one deck. Wrapping it up. Wrapping it up, we've got... They breach your control. Breach your control. <laughs> a little different. Like I see some tweaks. Like oh, two shark typhoon instead of one. But it's the it's it's a uh, Azorius control list with whole breacher and days undo. Yep, and uh, rebs and pyroblast in the side. That's what your red. Sorry, for. it's technically Jess guy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 red is almost entirely for sideboard cards. You got blood moon, pyroblast, reb, meltdown, yep. pyroclasm, stuff like that. Were you saying that you found a breakdown of this? Uh, yeah. So we're we're just on the Reddit thread. Uh, if we go over the archetypes, a Unora as was kind enough to break down the top thirty-two by archetype. So we've got um, five green-white depths list. Then we've got four Jeskai Daybreacher lists, three Delver lists, uh, three four-color Yorion, uh, three Dark Bant, two eight-cast. Then a food chain painter, oops all spells, lands, sneak and show, smog fins, shark still, a mono black aggro list that I do want to talk about. Pox, which is even more exciting because I was 90% sure Pox was dead. Elves and then uh post. Nice. So yeah, it's that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Obviously, you know, like green white depths is probably over overrepresented, but not in any like serious way we should, you know, get upset about or anything. It's one tournament. And it hasn't been anywhere, so it's not like it's like, oh my god, we got to do something about this. So, yeah, um, I the top thirty-two. The only thing that I was really surprised that wasn't in there at all two decks. There's no doomsday, and there wasn't any death and taxes in the top thirty-two, and that's that's unusual to not see at least one of those. But again, it's one tournament, and especially being a paper tournament. I mean, the fact of the matter is the online scene is, for lack of a better word, a little inbred. Like there's you know. Mm-hmm. With some variation, X amount of people that play every week, right? And those are the same people, generally speaking, week in and week out. So you've got kind of like a baseline of what they play. Um, so there's also, that's one of the things when you're comparing paper and online, we didn't really talk about, but that is kind of like, how often do you see Bryant Cook not play some Storm variant? It he, happens every now and then, but he's not picking up Blue Red Delver, even <clears> if it's the best list. He might on a challenge. Yeah. Or he might for a league, but... 
when the when the rubber meets the road, yeah, he's here to play Storm. He's yeah. the Storm and, guy. And that that to be fair, that is a symptom of a lot of like stuff like a lot of non-rotating formats. Like I play elves any tournament I play in, I play elves. Same thing with Julian. Bryant Cook's a Storm guy. You know, XJ Cloud is the DNT guy. Like you know, not to say that I'm in the same boat as those. It's just I'm the one talking. <laughs> well, it's yeah, that's that. But that's the way. You, but as far as we look at that particular thing, yep. the same way. So. What's up with this mono black list that you're so hot this on? This is just like it's not it's not that the deck is doing anything exciting. It's just exciting that a deck like this could do well. So just going over the list, we've got three uh Liliana the Veil, four Dark Confidant, four Dark uh Dothy Voidwalker, four Opposition Agent, four Rotting Regisaur, and two Egon God of Death. Then we've got a Retrofitter Foundry, a Shadow Sphere, and two Urza Sagas, so that's kind of typical there. We've got four Thoughtsies. Four hymns, which is, uh, I mean, that's one of the first decks in a while to run him. Like, hymns just kind of been... These ones put up numbers. Yeah. That's just kind of been pushed out of the meta. Then we've got four dark rituals and then uh, a few removal. Three fatal push and a sudden edict. Hmm? Like, that is just the kind of list you just don't see anymore. Look at all these three drops. Holy cow. Yeah. Like, it's just... And, I mean, it's not even running something like City of Traders or Ancient Tomb to, like, ramp up into those... I mean, it does have Dark Ritual, so that's that's one of the things it is trying to do. Is you can, like, Dark Ritual thought sees him. You can Dark Ritual Opposition Agent. Rod, I mean, you probably wouldn't do that, but, like, that's why it's running so many three drops is to really take advantage of those explosive Dark Ritual turns, which, but, like, this deck is old school as hell. <laughs> like, I remember back in the day, Dark Ritual Hypnotic Specter, and, like, this is just... Yeah, that's really interesting that, like, the uh, one this deck showed up and did so well is it's just, it, there's it, not enough removal... To ensure you've got the answer, turn one, one, two, or three. Yep. There's not enough consistency having the four dark writ and no other acceleration to ensure you can start the game on a three drop, and you're not going to resolve it through a counter spell, probably. The uh, I mean, there's like there's really good hand disruption and value cards if you get those control matchups. Like if you want to play a control deck because you happy with the game going to turn four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Because you're going to start guaranteeing your two for ones. I'm going to him you and get a two for one no matter what. I'm going to thought seize you and clear the way, and you know. You're running a Jeskai control list and you're cantripping, 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 trying to find your stuff. And every single turn, I'm just going three drop, three drop, three drop, three drop. Eventually, two of these are going to stick. Right. If I can get to the point in the game where this happens. Yeah. And like just looking at the numbers, you do have a decent shot at having a good turn one because between Thought Season and Dark Ritual, you kind of want to do one of those two things. And with the four, like if a turn one Thought Season is a perfectly reasonable turn one. And a turn one dark ritual into something's a perfectly reason. And since you have eight total, you have a pretty good shot at having a strong turn one. But yeah, like I just, I love the fact, like if this, this is my problem with these oppressive decks. When they're like that, you can't have something like this. Like somebody could just, not consistently. Again, we'd get one of these. Yep. And like the top 32 was just full of everybody's cool pet decks. That's awesome. And that's what we want. Yeah. That was a cool tournament. I would, I wish I could have gone to play in this. I'm, I'm looking forward to trying to get down and playing in Indy to either play Modern or Legacy. Because if this is what we get in Indianapolis, this would be fun. Well, that's, like, for a while, like, you and I had talked about that, and I was leaning towards no for multiple reasons, but the thing that pushed me over the edge was just the metagame. I'm just like, that. Like if it was, like, before the Ragavan ban... It was just Ragavan just Merktide. like, why? Like, that just, that's not fun to me. Like, I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars because I got to take the time off work, entry fees, food, gas, all that stuff. Yep. You're looking at, 
you know, between all those things, a couple hundred bucks minimum. Probably. Even though it is go, only, it's only an hour away, which yeah. is pretty nice. But just to go be, you know, annoyed and frustrated all day. Like, that didn't sound like fun. Now, if the metagame can keep this up, yeah. that puts me way back into the positive column. Because I would really like to go. So, I, I'm, I'm much more leaning towards yes than no at this point. So, Alrighty. Yeah. Um, like I said, we're going we're gonna to go through this relatively quickly because paper metas don't really reflect legacy, or online metas, and we must talk about online metas, but we can't not talk about SCG Con. This oh, is, no. This is crazy I mean, big. Great. to hop over to Modern? Yeah. Because we don't really have ready. any breakdowns. We don't have card breakdowns. Yeah, like, I mean, and well, in the, that's what kind of sucks, is I would actually love to see it this week. Because yeah. if you look at that top 32, it is not a breakdown of 66% force of yeah, will, exactly. ponder, brainstorm. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I would be really excited to see the card breakdown. It's a shame we don't get it, but I'm not going to complain. Oh, wow. So hopping over to Modern, uh, SCG Con had a Modern 10K. First place, uh, Legacy Pit, uh, not like owner, but like Legacy Pit regular, Jordan Barrenhaus brought it home with Burn. Nice. Like, I like Jordan is one of the... Modern, where Burn is is actually a deck. He has a a dope, dope Burn uh, Legacy deck. Mm Mm-hmm. He might have like beta bolts, oh, the alpha cool. bolt. Like he's got like, yeah, he's got a really nice burn. So obviously he played burn on uh, or for modern, and that's really cool. Like I love watching him play Legacy. He's one of my favorite guys in the pit. He's like he's got a really he's really fun to watch play Magic. So we'll hop into Jordan's list. It is worth mentioning that there was two modern 10ks. Uh, we're only gonna talk about one of them, and I'm gonna talk about the one that Jordan won because I'm a big fan of his. Like he's a he's a big part of one of my favorite legacy things that happens twice a week the legacy yeah. pit so we'll talk about his list for first place a a boros luris burn list i don't see anything that's like a crazy crazy call you know like it's just you got your what uh four eight um you got your four eight twelve bolts uh i mean realistically 16 because you've got skewer the critics as well yep. like 16 bolts boros charm skull crack Searing Blaze, if you want to add in another 20 to get to 20, sort of like Rift Bowl, Lava yeah, Spy. This thing is, uh, I mean, this, this is a Boros Burn list. Like, yep. this is a, and if this is, this is pretty much how he plays his Legacy Burn list, it's just straight to the face with everything. You know, he does have the Monastery Mentors and the Goblin Guides, but capping out on Burn Spells is pretty Jordan. Yeah. Well, and that's, this is, this, that's one of the strengths of this deck, I think, is it's like 80% Legacy Burn. Mm-hmm. And like when you're playing with, most of your deck is, I mean, this isn't anything new and modern anymore, but that's what kind of kept it around for so long is like, you're playing with a lot of legacy legal cards when yep. you're playing Burn. Like, these cards are very, not even legacy legal, obviously they're all legacy legal, but like like very, like pushing the envelope of what's played in legacy. Yep. So. Uh, second place was a Is It Merktide list. So as I was gonna say, was that Burn list clocks in at around 600 bucks. Yep. Pretty crazy cheap. Second place clocks in at Around twelve fifty for a uh, is it Merktide? This is the Merktide list we see in the modern challenges pretty regularly. This is the blue red Delver of modern. Um, like I say every week, worse cantrips, worse uh, worse counterspells. So Archmage's Charm, Lightning Bolts, counterspell stuff like that. But this is pretty much the stock list. Now I do want to give credit. Uh, Marshall Arthur's wrong last name <laughs> uh, brought it home with. Is it Merktide in second place? That's just proof, uh, just in case anybody is still hung up on that, that like money just doesn't, like it's a prerequisite, but it doesn't win you games. Not always. That's, yeah. And like I said, so Jordan is a master of burn, and that's what helps bring that home. Like you can totally bring, a, bring in a cheap deck, 
you are good at playing it and you yep. understand the meta. Yep. First place over the guy, next guy. So yeah, <laughs> just looking at that. the money. Yeah. So first place is 600. Second place is 1200. Third place is 2400. Yep. So yeah, this is, so it's, it's like, it's like third place. Um, this site doesn't really rank like it's just top four and then top yeah. eight. So I'm going to list them in the order they came in, but it doesn't necessarily mean third and fourth. Those are kind of wishy-washy. They probably didn't play each other. Like yeah. you got knocked out in the semifinals. So you're third and fourth. In third on this, we've got a $2,500 four-color Yorion, commonly referred to as Money Pile. Mm-hmm. So a Yorion list running Ragavan, Omnath, Solitude, Furies. Uh, what else do we have in here that's expensive? Renin Ren- 6. Renin 6, Teferi Time Raveler. Like, it, it's called Money Pile for a reason. It's just all the expensive cards. But we've seen, again, this is something we've seen a lot. This is the four-color Yorion list we've seen. Um, quick and check, checking quickly. This isn't an Ephemerate-style list, is it? This is just like four color value pile. Yeah. So expensive iterations and memory day illusions and stuff like that. And then all these creatures that just have really good strong ETBs or are just strong on their own like Yori. Fourth place was a living end list. The first cascade list we've seen in a little while and the first living end list we've seen in a long while. Yeah. Always characterize a living end list as kind of the like combo variant of cascade. You've got Rhino Crashcade. That's your good value grindy deck. Living end is just like, hey, it's turn four and I have 30 power on the board. Yep. Good GG. luck. Yep. Um, looks pretty standard though. It's a it's a cascade list. Nothing in here costs less than three on purpose, except for living end, because it's free. And then you've got all the best cyclers you can get into the graveyard as fast as possible and are just huge and terrifying. Things like Waker of the Waves and uh, Striped Riverwinder and Curator of Mysteries. Just these really cheap cyclers that are a you four know, four, a seven, seven, a six. A lot of free wins come out of like, like Cascade is literally the reason a lot of decks are, they keep their chalices in because yep. it's just yeah. a free roll against them. Yeah. Versus Legacy, and where it's just in there for the, the it's cantrips. For cantrips, yep. But like, I mean, without chalice, it can be hard to beat a Cascade deck because it's just like, you just, it's so hard to stop their value trains of like, I'm going to cast this. And, uh, Living End's a little different because the Living End or the Cascade spell isn't as important, but like, always have to be counting this free spell they get they didn't pay for. They just searched mm-hmm. up and made happen. Like, it's pain in the butt. So it would be wait, fifth place would be a is it mid range list? Um, still basically a Merktide list. Uh, but it's running one Fury, so it's mid range. Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, you got some Serum Visions and Holy, holy Heats and Counter Spells. Like it does have Blood Moon in the main. I don't know if the other list had Blood Moon in the main. I don't remember seeing. It. So it's a little different, and like that Blood Moon might be what bumps it Blood Moon and Fury to a mid range deck. But it's not running Archmage's Charm either. Yeah, so I don't. Oh, it's yeah. a little different, but I'd still because this is blue red Merktide. Like you know, you get. Some better early game interaction with Fury, and you get some, you get to lock some games out with Blood Moon, but Red Merktide. Next up was a Teamir Cascade, so we got the other end of the Cascade list. Mm-hmm. So we can confirm now that uh, Crashcade is worse than Living End, right? <laughs> Correct. So that it means was one tournament, <laughs> it, it, and it did better. It yep. made it to the next round, but so we had. Uh, well, Teamir. I'm glad to hear that Burns better than all of them. <laughs> yeah, Burns the best deck, guys. Like, go buy your Burn decks now. They're going to be shooting yeah, up. Get in price. those Goblin Guides. Yep. But a teamier crash gate list, pretty common. Like I said, nothing costs less than three on purpose. They're running all the best things. The Karn the Great Creator, it just feels a little weird. Karn standard in these lists? It is. So we've got, I, do, I did notice as I was scrolling down, we have four Karn the Great Creator. So this list is a little spicy in that. Um, beyond that, though, you've got your Furies, Brazen Borrower, Star This Agent. Do we have, uh, what's the free counter spell for creatures? I don't think we have it. Subtlety. Oh, subtlety. This player decided to not buy their subtleties before they came to play today. But pretty standard. We've got Jund Unearth. Unearth is probably one of my favorite cards to play. I love unearthing things. Like, 
uh, Callum had a uh, what is Esper? He had an Esper mentor list mm-hmm. that revolved around an Earth. And yeah, it was I remember just, you playing that oh, for a while. It was while. so much fun to Using play. Unearth on like uh, Snapcaster Mage, yep. and, and then Snapcaster to uh, do the Unearth and. Oh, it's just you have so many fun turns, so many fun matches. But this is obviously just a modern unearthed list, getting to make use of things like Mayhem Devil and Proxa and Season Pyromancer, getting tons of value off of those. But using a uh, Coco to just spew incredibly powerful cards onto the board, like Coco, such a crazy good card. I don't know what they were thinking when they made Coco a instant. Be, I know that card would be perfectly balanced, or at least a lot better if it was just a well. But in just, its defense, it doesn't see a ton of play in modern anymore. No, but just the play pattern of like turn one ramp, turn two a thing, and then turn three just yes, yeah. it did absolutely crap all over standard. Yeah, it's never like taken over modern, but it did just make standard unbearable for a while. So things, um, so this is a mayhem. This is mayhem devil and goblin bombardment. So you're getting to double up on those sacrifice triggers and doing tons of damage with that. Like just pinging opponents to death, getting on earth to to bring back those key pieces like i mean mayhem devil is what like all these decks revolve around when you don't have mayhem devil the deck just does so little comparatively mm-hmm. things like blood gast and croaksa to get some great recursion season pyromancer because it's just one of the best draw spells in red ever printed turns out three mana to draw two cards is pretty good yep then yeah ren and six uh grist and you're on earth a pretty cool list that we do not see very often the online meta like this this just kind of screams like brew to me like we kind of threw this together and we, we put some of the best Jun cards we could get together in a list for the day. And our last, last place was a Grixis Shadow list. One of the one of the high rollers of the past tournaments. And I think it even Sunday Challenge. Did it? Yeah. Still came in eighth place at the paper tournament. So turns out Grixis Shadow is still a it's, force to be reckoned with. Yeah. So a uh, Luris list with Proxa, Death Shadow, DRC, Ragavan. Gotta be honest, guys, looking through this list, it looks almost the same. Like, I really think the Death Shadow list got solved, and people are just copying and pasting the same list every week. Two dress down, some expressive, some thought seizes. I mean, I think I think running four thought seizes and two Inquisition in the main is a little spicy and the extra hand disruption, but like realistically, barring one or two cards, this is a great rip list of of someone else's list. Or I shouldn't say that, I'm not throwing shade. Yeah. This is just the same list we see every week. Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's no shade to be say, yeah. like well, saying. To say like, oh, you ripped someone's list. I'm not saying that at all. No. This we're, is just a very standard list. Anybody who, who would ever think we're net deckers in the pejorative is obviously not paying attention. That's what yeah. we talk about is yeah. deck lists. So like... I'm, I'm a, I I am a net decker through and through. Yeah. I, if you, Jake I, doesn't like building decks at all. <laughs> like trying. <laughs> never like playing the ones I build, though. They never turn out very well. <laughs> With um, so with this particular website that I found this list on, that's our top eight. I do actually have some more data, so I don't have no, I don't have any of the breakdowns for like the most played decks or whatever. Or sorry, I don't have a breakdown like the top thirty-two like yeah. I usually do. I do have a breakdown of decks at the tournament. So this tournament was thirteen percent Crixus Shadow, seven percent is it Murktide, seven percent Hammer Time, six percent Four Color Blink, six percent Amulet Titan, and then we got five percent Burn. Now we're down to the fours and threes. That's right. So, like, Grixis Shadow was twice as popular as the next best. Um, and that just kind of think just goes to show, like, Grixis Shadow spent so long in the sunshine mopping up the online metas. It's an incredibly powerful deck. It's very flexible. It's very fast and aggressive and has lots of ways to attack you from with the Ragavans in the early game, the Death Shadows to wrap games up quickly with Anna for a 7 7, yep. and the Croaksa is just for crazy grinding value, where if you have to, you're just going to cut recurring Croaksa and, like, 
answer and all of my face because it's a six six. Yeah, well, it, it's uh, borderline a nine nine. If yeah. you're that late yeah, in the game, it also domes for three. You're probably you probably have no cards in hand. So it yeah, it's it's borderline a nine nine. It's it's pretty crazy. So the just like there's just like so many angles to attack somebody from. It's such a strong and consistent. I'm not surprised to see it being what people chose to play. If you're going to be playing eight rounds of Swiss or ten rounds of Swiss, like this this uh, event said, it had 638 decks. Like if you're going to be playing what that's probably nine to ten rounds of Swiss, you want that consistency. You want those backup plans because not legacy. Modern's all over the place. I need mm-hmm. something that can handle anything that gets thrown out. So I will interject one thing. This is related to what you just said. Um, just kind of speaks to the power of this card. You look at this top eight. There's burn, and then there's two. Cascade lists, which obviously wouldn't run it. Every other deck has Ragavan in it as a four of in the top eight. Yep. Like I again, I'm not yeah. advocating for anything. No, no, no. But it's something people should Rag- pay attention to. Ragavan's fine in modern. And we've talked about like because modern is so creature oriented, the cost of running more removal isn't as high. Talk about in legacy, since there's so few creatures that are worth removing, or at least cheap creatures, especially, because the cheap removal is usually cheap creatures. Or yeah. remove cheap creatures, like Fatal Put. In legacy, it's just such a cost to run those because so many decks don't have cheap creatures or at least not cheap creatures with killing or they just don't mm-hmm. have creatures at all. Modern is like so much in the red zone. Like other than burn, it's like red zone, red zone, red zone, red zone, red zone. Like well, all even, these creatures. Even burn still runs 12 creatures. They do still run 12 creatures. Like, so the cost of filling your deck with removal and, and working to have that turn one removal is just a lower cost in general. Yep. So like that's why I don't think Ragavan, even though it is everywhere, it isn't as much of a complaint, and it isn't as meta work. It's just, it's something to keep an eye on. It is. And that I, it's one of those things, like, until it calms down, people need to have an eye on Ragavan. He's kind of like Oko, or it's just like, everybody's just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I'm not advocating for anything, because as I've said, almost every episode for the past, like, three months, that Modern is great right now, and we yep. shouldn't take touch it. But... <laughs> Be aware, guys. It's funny. The, the the modern results, though, were like, as opposed to Legacy, were like... Pretty meta. Meta deck, meta yeah. deck, meta deck, meta. I mean, uh, the Crash Gade lists are kind of off meta, but that could be just people weren't prepared for them. Well, and if you think about it, those those uh, Cascade lists, all that removal you're talking about is almost completely dead against not, them. Yeah, it's not nearly as useful. Against the Teamer Crash Gade... Teamer has a little bit of game. But the problem with that is if you're planning on answering... Crash Cade with removal. Yeah, you're not. They're two for one in you every time. They're almost three for one. Yeah, you. with Shardless Agent Shardless and then two four fours. Yeah, so like yeah, removal is the wrong out. way to attack that at all. Yeah, and yeah, the removal you're looking at for living end. These things, these 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 creatures are four drops, five drops, seven drops. Yeah, eight path drops. of exile, path to exile, or prismatic ending, or lightning bolt, whatever. That's not going to save you against. Nope. <laughs> yeah, not to mention they don't accrue a board. Yeah, they, they put go. out four. Yeah, or ten. You can't just sit there and trade with them one for one. Exactly. Oh. So that is our modern meta for scg con yeah like i said this week is going to be a little less like raw useful in terms of like you know watching the metas but i want to encourage scg to keep doing this so i'm going to talk about their event and i'm really excited to like i'm really excited to i'm probably going to go to either modern or legacy if you don't want to go i think derek from the family gathering was interested in going to play modern yeah so i will probably be going no matter what and if we're doing on the weekend I didn't work weekends anyway. Yeah. So I'm not missing on a day of work. Yep. The, uh, as far as like what we talk about to me, I always look at the, it's not solely this, but like the week to week online stuff is prep for these kind of events. So like you want to talk about those, but when these happen, yeah. this is what we want to talk about. We yep. want to talk about big hundreds of players events. And so like it's, we always say, you know, the online meta is the meta 
But really, the meta I'm interested in when you get really get down to brass tacks are these tournaments. So yeah, the big tournaments playing the, for a lot of the money. Really biggest. Those are the ones we want to talk about. We say it every week where we want to talk about the highest stakes events with the biggest rewards and the largest number of people. And I, I, we we haven't really talked about it that much. I'm just couldn't be happier with Star City Games for putting these on. I saw those lists and I was just ecstatic, like because I it really hit me kind of hard when Star City pulled support for Legacy in their I forget what their they had like a tournament series that oh, would go it was on. the it was SCG tour yeah they they pulled Legacy off of that yeah. and I think it got pulled all together with obviously with COVID. So it, yeah, everything got pulled. Yeah, it's just really exciting to see these things going back on again. I mean, having. Uh, I mean, a legacy 10K, two modern 10Ks in one weekend, like that's that's awesome. Yep. Uh, I'm that's I mean, the big part of the reason why I want to go is I want to support it. And the only yeah. way, like us sitting here talking about how cool SCG is only goes so far, I want to give them some money. Yeah, like I was talking to you, like I went to my local card shop. I usually don't buy a lot of sealed product because it's just the worst way to buy magic cards. Yep, lottery tickets are lottery tickets. Yeah, but it's fun. I, I and I. I like my card shop existing, and so I, whenever there's a product in print that I like, we go pick up a couple pre-release kits or a couple packs. In part, just because like I could have bought these pre-release packs at Walmart, or not the pre-release packs, but I could have bought the cards online yeah. easier. I didn't get anything out of these, but I want the Sage shop to stay open, and the only way to do that is to show up once in a while and give them my credit card. Yep, you gotta keep the lights on. Yep, so I go do that, and I want to do that with SCG. I want to give them one more tick in the box of paycheck another entry fee another whatever that's that's something i've been thinking about i hope they keep this series going um we i don't think we're there yet as a podcast but i'd be interested in like next year if this is still going after we've kind of really gotten our feet underneath us and we could prep for it doing some sort of coverage over there like obviously we it wouldn't be like a televised event or anything but like going there and you know, doing an on the field report of like what's going yeah. on, what's being played. Like, I mean, it's funny. I think it'd be really so, interesting. So SCG con cut coverage, no coverage at all. There was coverage from just like people showing up with like mobile streaming setups and running it through their phone to Twitch. Right. And it got decent viewings. Like people wanted to watch it. So we could totally get some, some little tripod set up and just, just watch yeah. the table and we could, we could throw it on a Twitch channel. And I think that'd be, that's something just, you know, but, you know, obviously if everybody's listening here, but just as a as a podcast, if we're gonna go a little meta here, it'd be an interesting way for us to grow where like, you know, that's our neck that well, could be our niche. Will and Aramis, they do video. Yep. Twice a week they do where you can hop on, you can watch them, you can talk to them, you can interact with them in a more like live sense. I think people enjoy that. Not yeah. everyone, but I think people enjoy the ability to see their hosts, talk to them, interact with them. Though that's something we should be kicking around. I but like I, we're definitely not there yet just as far as like equipment and skills yeah, and there's, like there's there's a lot going into it we're already in the hole a lot for this yeah. podcast and i'm not asking anyone to i mean we knew that going in but like holy cow guys to make anything that sounds decent and I, i'm not even saying we sound good we sound decent easy or cheap yeah. i mean we have a whole room dedicated in my house whole room dedicated with a lot of stuff we bought for it yep so yeah i'd be that's something i that would be our next step in my mind yeah brain. There's probably an interim step of like either streaming at home or doing video on yep. YouTube or whatever, but iron the kinks out before yeah. we just go like, well, let's make a yeah, Twitch I mean, channel. We're definitely not going to walk in there and be like, Hey guys, I got my webcam. Where can I set up? Uh -huh. Like, you know, we'd have to get good at video recording and editing and all uh, that stuff. But anyway, later. I think that's a decent way to segue. And if you were good, you mentioned Kamigawa. So as a good segue. Yeah. I think we will. Let's wrap our episode up this week. We're, uh, we're sitting, we're getting a little around that 
hour mark. Let's do 10 minutes just kind of on Kamigawa uh, that we just bought. You know, we just cracked open, you know, 10 or so packs, looked at some cards. Set is out in pre-release, basically. The whole, yeah. we've had it spoiled. You know, in 100 words or less, Matt, what are your thoughts on the new Kamigawa? Well, I don't think I can keep it to 100 words or less because I just burned 12 of them. <laughs> but get my over, clicker out. Yeah, overall... No, here, what I'll do is I'll just, when I'm editing, I'll listen. And as soon as you hit a hundred, <laughs> just cut me off like Twitter. I'm just stopping. <laughs> Mid-sentence. <laughs> You're already at 30. To preface this, I'd mentioned before, but in case you haven't heard it, because it was one of our earlier episodes, I'm a huge fan of Cyberpunk. I was really excited when Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was like announced that they were going to a Cyberpunk world. As far as like, it's almost like popcorn punk. So like it's, Kamigawa hits the, very surface level cyberpunk stuff, which is, I mean, it's right there in the name. The first thing a lot of people think of when they think of cyberpunk is neon lights because it's in most of the popular movies. You just have that futuristic, like dark city where it's always raining and there's neon lights glowing everywhere. They definitely hit that. The aesthetics of the set look great. Like I like all the art design. I like the, uh, the alternative arts. A lot of that stuff looks cool. The lands look great. No complaints there. Overall, from what I've heard, I haven't gotten a chance to play it yet. I don't typically mess around with standard or limited that much, but from what I understand, the limited environment is very good. Seems to be pretty popular. That doesn't surprise me. Just looking at the commons and uncommons and even the rares, like there doesn't seem to be a crap ton of cards that just like end the game immediately. There seems to be a lot of cards that are basically creatures plus doings between like the sagas or the uh, reconfigure equipment. So they're very rarely dead cards uh, like sagas and whatnot are at least on the surface mediocre because I mean, they don't like limited is dominated by creatures. So like, don't worry, they'll kill your opponent. But yeah, when they, when they eventually turn into a creature that makes them much better in limited. Uh, and it doesn't seem like they took much of a hit as far as power level goes. Like, like Jake and I talked about a week or two ago, they, they still seem like just as good of a saga and then they flip over to a creature. So whether or not that's good or bad or whatever, you know, we don't need to get into that. But as far as the limited environment goes, it makes them far more <laughs> interested for limited. Is there an hour on, hour on Kamigawa? I mean, we can. No, it's not. <laughs> but just overall impressions, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed, but I don't think they knocked it out of the park. Like this is about what I would have expected. There's some clearly very powerful cards like Bazeshu who the new Bazeshu the green one like the channel lands in general are all I very good that? I don't know I say Bazeju yeah Bazeju whatever um those are all very powerful cards even the worst of them is still very good and probably worth a slot you know you don't, you don't need to run four of them but replacing your 17th mountain with one of those is probably not a bad idea especially in formats that aren't dominated by wasteland those that's a cool cycle the dragons all look really cool they're not quite as powerful, at least on the surface, as the original Kamigawa ones, but I'm not sure that's a bad thing. And they don't have to be. That's the thing. They do different stuff. Like, Kokusho is very strong, and a lot of people, at least when I started playing EDH, were talking about trying to get him banned. <laughs> because, well, he, he does that. Everyone loses five life, and you gain the total. Yeah, so you gain which in a Yeah, which in a four-player game is a lot, but I mean, the idea of Kokusho as your commander and worrying about that is just a joke. Anywho... Show isn't even legend. Yeah, he's legend. Oh, but he's mono black, so yeah. it's yeah. You're playing mono black with a five five. Like if that's what your commander does, then go for it. But so yeah, like I'd give it like, if I had to rate it with a number like a seven or eight. Like it's certainly not my favorite set. Um, my favorite block, just so everybody knows, is probably like my of the recent ones. 
like probably the Lorwyn block. And I don't know. I hope we go back there, but I love that. I love tribal sets. That shouldn't be a surprise. Getting to play elves and standard and like non-traditional elves too, because like they did a bunch of different stuff than they normally do. They weren't just mana dorks. That was really cool. So overall, I'm not disappointed. I don't play standard. So I probably won't be buying like Kraken packs or anything like that. But I'll definitely be picking up some of the cards as singles. So yeah, like I said, a solid seven or eight. It's not a bad set by any means. I think Kamigawa added the perfect number of playables to Eternal Format. Like, at least in terms of legacy. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot more cards that are like really possibly seeing play in modern. Like there's probably 10 to 15 cards that could totally see modern play and might even be great. Yeah. Um, but modern, I'm okay with being a little more uh, volatile when it comes to new sets. Nothing was going to come in and like change the format. There's some cool additions here and there. Maybe even make some new decks. As far as legacy goes, we're looking at getting like maybe Besaju. That card's incredibly powerful, but yeah. also very limited in what it can do. Like only an answer to broken things. I think it's kind of okay to make really powerful cards that all they do is answer things. Mm-hmm. Especially Cases. narrow answers. Yep. Too. Narrow answers. It only hits artifacts, enchantments, or non-basics. And you can't uh, you can't wasteland someone out of the game with it. They, yep. You're literally ramping them if you're hitting anything other than a land. Yep. So good cost. I think it's a good offset for being uncounterable. Then you've got the Lion Sash, which is probably going to be an auto-include at least one or two in D&D forward or yep. maybe stone forge list because it's just pretty strong pretty pretty um flexible in terms of its answers you know other than that everything that you're looking at that may see legacy play was like fringe play maybe this you yeah, could three break it that cards. way yeah and that was like they did a really good job on the power level in terms of the art looked great uh, i've heard great things also about the limited format I have no idea what it'll do to standard. That's got to check out Will and Aramis, Plain Soccers. They'll probably have a lot more insight on that in the week. They might have it on that came out yesterday. So I'm not sure. Yeah. But I think it's a pretty good set. It's gotten enough stuff in it that I want to purchase cards. Like I, I'm buying packs. Like I didn't, I, you know, I talk about trying to support my card shop. I didn't buy any packs from them. Adventures of the Forgotten Realm, Crimson Vow, anything Innistrad really. Cause yeah. Nothing in the sets interested me, and the art wasn't that good in my opinion either. Yeah, those, those, the past couple sets before this just they didn't hit me. I'm not saying they're they bad didn't sets. Hit me either. But between like the land, like the the special lands are amazing. They have high drop rates. So out of the ten packs we opened, because um, I got two pre-release kits, because I was gonna offer Matt to do a pre-release, and he said I don't. Care. <laughs> um, so we opened. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> we opened ten packs, and I got one, two, four, five, six. Yeah. Almost, almost every other had a really cool full art non basic. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. It's it's cool. I think I think this I think this set's a really cool set. They did a good job on the flavor. As far as someone who doesn't like cyberpunk in their magic as much, they did a good job keeping like it still feels like great, magic. It still feels like magic. Yep, I was very pessimistic. I was wrong. They did a good job. As someone who also feels that they broke a lot of core design design mechanics in the game in terms of like equipment that is a creature and. These sagas that become creatures afterwards. I think they did break those rules. They didn't break any of the cards. Yeah. That's, I'm happy to meet in the middle there, where if they want to try and bend these rules to do some different things, at least don't break anything in half while you're doing it. I was happy to see that. Well, I, I think a lot of our concern from that just comes from being burned so many times by yep. wizards, where it's like, yeah, you didn't do it this time, but like yep. next time you have sagas you're gonna because you well they reset the baseline so now this is what a saga can do yeah and now we need to power creep from there same but, thing with equipment so i get i totally get your regardless of our disagreement yeah. i get your concern believe me credit where credit is due they did a great job this time i think kamigawa is going to be one of the more successful sets we see in the 
the coming year. Which is exciting, given that Kamigawa right. was one of the sets they kept saying they wouldn't revisit because it was so unpopular. Yep. They, <laughs> they did a good job. Yeah. So hats off to Wizards. I'm excited to be picking up, you know, probably, I'll probably spend 200 bucks on singles total because, like, one card, I, like, I need to get a full art. You need to get, yeah. Like, I have a Tatiova foil. I have a foil EDH deck that's, like, 80% foil. I probably have to get one for Marin, don't I? Good. So good. Yeah. So I got to see if those things come down. I don't want to yeah, drop them. Yeah, they're like 130 bucks, bucks right Ugh. now. But it's still on pre sale. I'm hoping this, if they sell it around like 50, I'll be okay. Is it a rare or mythic? It's rare. Oh, well, that that's good. The problem is, though, since it's a rare, has beautiful art and will see play in Legacy and Modern and every EDH it deck. Gonna, it's very, it's going to, the premium version is going to be in high demand because everybody wants one. Everyone wants to pimp out their Legacy deck and pimp out their, like, their commander deck. The nice thing is, I like actual card frames. All I need to do is just get a foil of it. (laughs) Yeah, a regular foil one's like 40 bucks. Yeah. So you'll be fine there. But I think they did a good job. Good job, Wizards. I'm looking forward to buying some stuff. I might even get Matt to buy some packs with me. Yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I just, I don't typically, it's... We'll buy set boosters, though. Yeah. These are draft boosters, and uh, set boosters are way better bang for your buck. Yeah. Like a dollar more, but they're worth it. That's the thing is like, I typically speaking just buy singles because I look at as far as getting the cards go goes um i'm just looking at it as a financial transaction so i just i don't want to waste 50 bucks on singles and then still have to buy or 50 bucks on packs and still have to buy the singles yep. that's how i look at it most times very true but it is it is fun cracking packs and just so you know uh, in case anybody's listening i haven't bought a single field product that was like random because i bought some like commander precons and whatnot since the original time spiral we split half a case i bought three boxes of that that was in like you no, I, that's fair. But what, we what was that? What was that commander thing we did? We, we did we did as as an event. We split yep. some like dominaria stuff. Yeah, we, we bought dominaria, but it was dom, it's dominaria. But yeah, as far as cracking it or buying it to crack it, I yeah. don't do that. Like we did a big sealed event where we made uh, EDH decks. Yeah, they they weren't brawl, but they were standard legal. But we made like actual EDH yeah, decks. We bought like two boxes among five of us, and we. Drafted EDH yeah, decks. Yeah, you each got it. like twenty packs or it was fifteen weird, packs. But it was fun. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Yep. But <laughs> that, that's, that's actually if we could get that's how we should do this. Like if you want to buy some sealed, we should see if we can get some people together and do that same thing again because that was a lot of fun. I was talking to Bernie the other day because I was delivering to his business. He wants to hang out. Gotcha. Should we should get a box and go draft a draft some stuff with him? Yeah, fun. See if Derek and Joe can come down, get the kids, and just have six people drafting a bunch of boxes. That, that would be a fun episode to do too. We could do a co-op episode with the family. You gathering. could get me to to buy some packs for that. That would be a lot of fun. Alrighty, Matt. I think we're coming to the end of our episode. Was there anything else we want to talk about? Oh, today? apparently Wizards makes a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Wizards and makes more money than like home and country. That's uh, that's wi- a good thing and it's a bad thing. It is. Like I'm I'm happy Wizards is I'm happy Wizards is successful. Uh Wizards financial report came out recently. These num- I'm not gonna read it. The numbers are I think they made one or one point three billion dollars last In year. Total revenue. Yeah, total revenue. So it's literally a billion dollar company now. Yay. And their operating profit was, I think, somewhere like six or seven hundred million profit, like seven hundred million dollars. You know how much Hasbro without Watsy made last year in operating profit? How much? Like four hundred fifty million. Cool. So if you take every Hasbro thing, put in a pile, and then pull out Watsy, Watsy's bigger than the rest. Watsy is substantially busy, bigger than everything else. Which didn't used to be the case. No. And I mean, obviously that's true, but like Monopoly actually was Hasbro's yep. biggest product for a very long time. It's uh, I think Watsy Watsy set up the goal a couple of years ago to double itself in five years. They went to double their size in five years. And they did that. Explains a lot. 
what that means is, one, technically, WotC has more capital to throw behind its ventures. It can spend more time doing uh, R&D. It can design more sets. It can spend more time testing. Which it has been doing. It can invest in better paper for their cards. It also means... They definitely won't, though. <laughs> They won't. No, as far as the paper. <laughs> um, but what it also means is the things they've been doing, whether you like them or not, are probably going to keep happening. Yep. Matt and I have been very vocal on some of the things we don't like they've made in terms of business practices, but it turns out more people like them than people that don't like them. So it's probably going to keep happening. Yep. And while we will keep complaining about things we really don't like, I think part of going forward is going to have to be just acknowledging some of this stuff just kind of sucks. And yeah, it's a very love it or leave it situation. Probably. Yeah. It's because I think Watsy is very much willing for us to walk away before they stop. Yeah. So that's, that which may, is fine. It may change how we consume our magic product, but it just can consume responsibly. It, they should, <laughs> wizards should have to, on all their <laughs> things like alcohol commercials, yeah. please I mean, consume responsibly. It is called cardboard crack for a reason. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> consume your crack responsibly. All righty. Anything else? No, I think that's it. All righty. I want to give our end of podcast shout out to the Plain Soccer's podcast twitch.tv forward slash plain suckers podcast monday and wednesday 7 p.m eastern standard time check it out monday for their standard oriented podcast pretty much everything you need to know about standard and that's going to be big because we got some big churn coming with the new sets especially one that's powerful yeah. hang out on wednesday for their commander craft where you can watch some pretty cool relatively casual commander be played hop on the discord discord.plainsuckerspodcast.com and you can even play in that Commander Craft episode on Wednesday. Just hit up Will. He usually saves a seat or two for a non-patron. And if you're a new person to the Discord, he'll definitely get you in there for a game. And it's a lot of fun. It's pretty fun playing um, over Spell Table. It's not as good as playing with your friends at the card shop, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Want to reach out to us? Email us at cantripcartel at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at cantripcartel. And you can join our Facebook group, Cantrip Cartel on Facebook. Getting. I don't think so. I think you got it all. Well, in that case, I think we will see you guys. All right. Have a nice night, guys. So I'm going to go to untap upkeep. I'm going to draw. Yeah, my saga is going to trigger, and then I'm going to flip it over into a 5-5 with death touch. Cool. Guess I need a disenchanter here. <laughs>